At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following Charlotte's big 116-106 win against the Atlanta Hawks last night here at the Hive. It was a big one for the Hornets, who now move into ninth place. They even the season series, so they eliminate that tiebreaker scenario in case it gets to that point for home court advantage in the play-in tournament playoffs whatever it may be, against the Atlanta Hawks and now improved to 500 on the season. We got a lot to talk about this one because there was a lot that happened in it. We're going to go ahead and get you to a recap of this one. We're going to break this one down. We're going to look at this at several different angles, of course, give you our top performers as well. And then we're going to do a little bit of scoreboard watching moving forward too and what it means for the Hornets. And I say we because I'm joined today by Sam Purley, the lead writer of Hornets.com. Sam, thank you for joining me once again on the HHC and happy St. Patrick's Day. I see you got a little bit of green on there. Yes. For those that can't see, because this is really good for radio. I think it's more of a blue, but I will make sure to leave, eliminate any doubt and put on some green a little bit later today. But yes, thank you again for having me. And it is always even better to join you after a Hornets win. It is nothing but gold stars today. So excited to break this one down. Big, big win in the homestand opener last night against Atlanta. We'll consider it green just for the sake of the argument to leave no doubt. But yeah, let's go ahead and take a look at how this one shook out as the Hornets got off to a pretty good start yesterday. Led this one early on. It was very back and forth for the majority of the first half. The Hornets started off the game shooting 7 of 11 from the field. All seven of those field goals were assisted on. Hawks had three turnovers early, which the Hornets were able to capitalize on. Seven points off those turnovers very early about midway through the first quarter. Hornets though then started to go a little bit colder. Only had one field goal attempt in about a three minute span in that first quarter. Charlotte did shoot the ball pretty well though. 11 of 20 from the field through the first 12 minutes. The only problem was Atlanta was shooting better at 12 of 24. Miles Bridges though had a 12 point quarter to lead the way. Mellow ball comes and gets the ball gives it up to miles bridges bridges pulls the trigger on a three yes point four on the clock and that'll do it for the first quarter 
Atlanta led it 33-29 to after the first quarter of play. Then we go to the second frame where Montrez Harrell really started to take over coming off the bench. Harrell gets it underneath, and this time an and-one opportunity. Harrell, the hoop and the harm, and the Hornets a chance to go back on top. Montrez Harrell had 12 points in the second quarter as the Hornets trailed this one 67-62 heading into the locker room. The three-point shooting was the big disparity through that point as Atlanta was 5-9 from three in the first quarter, 5-9 from three in the second quarter as well, going 10-18 of 18 from three-point land in the first half while the Hornets were just 5-15 of 15 from beyond the arc. Then we go into the third quarter where the Hornets were able to rip off an early run. With the game tied at 69, Montrez Harrell was able to put the Hornets ahead once again because of some electric play off the bench. Lamello left alone, fires for three, no, rebound, back tapped out to Montrez Harrell. Give it back to Lamello. He'll drive, rises up for the lay, and no, but a tip slam again. Montrez Harrell getting greedy on the glass. Timeout Atlanta. The Hawks went one for 11 from three in the quarter alone. Charlotte was able to outscore the Hawks 23 to 18 in the third frame. Miles Bridges and Montrez Harrell each had 18 points going into the fourth quarter. We were tied at 85. A little bit of a back and forth affair there in the fourth frame. The Hornets were able to capitalize early, leading this one by three, four, five points here and there. And then Atlanta would close the gap and then expanded a little bit as well. The Hawks went into the bonus at the 420 mark, but PJ Washington was able to close strong down the stretch. Back to LaMelo. Sees the double team. Gives off to Washington. Contested to. Yes! Count it and a foul. Hope and the harm. Washington from the abyss of that blown dunk to three straight monster buckets. P.J. Washington with double digits in the fourth quarter alone. The Hornets outscore the Hawks 31-21 in the fourth frame and win it 116-106, to now improving to 35-35 and on the campaign. And Sam, there is a lot to like in this victory. I think there's something that stands out a little bit more than the rest, but we'll see what you have to say. Well, I think the first thing that stands out to me was the second-half defense. I think they gave up 67 in the first half and then just 39 in the second half on 36% shooting. It felt like early on there was a little bit of you're trying to take away either the perimeter or the paint and make sure you're not getting overcompensated in the area that you don't choose. And it felt like a little bit they were kind of loading bodies into the paint on Capella and some of their big guys. And the Hawks were making the right reads and knocking down threes, but they made a lot of adjustments in that second half defensively, and I thought it was really, really impressive. I think he gave up 18 in the third, 21 in the fourth. Could have very easily been two sub-20 point quarters for the Hawks there. I think they hit a couple a couple late buckets that kind of inconsequential. But obviously that and then the in the factoring in with the defense you didn't foul anybody you said they got into the bonus at 420 Hawks did not go to the line for the rest of the game I thought that was really really big to play good defense down the stretch when you need stops and get those stops get rebounds and not foul and not give easy free throws away I thought was really really impressive and no defense was kind of going to be one of the things they really had to lock in on this game they did a good job and obviously getting those stops and then compounding it with hitting big-time shots in the clutch uh, is a recipe for winning, and it's a recipe for closing out close games. That's exactly what the Hornets did. Yeah, the Hornets kind of fluctuated, like I said, between a three, four, five-point margin there for the majority of the fourth quarter, but at the 3.06 mark, Atlanta had to call a timeout because Terry Rozier, who was just not shooting the ball very well from three-point land last night, he ends up going two of eight from three, but he hit a big one there at that 3.06 mark to make it 105 to 98, and the Hornets really just kind of clamped down from there, and that's what James Borrego talked about after the game. Well, we've won some close games recently, you know, the San Antonio game tonight. So our guys believe it's just, you know, more reps there, the better. 
And a lot of times, you know, when, when we've been good in the clutch, end of game situations, a lot of that comes down to our defense getting stops. So our group was just dug in there defensively, digging out rebounds, big stops, hands, deflections, talking, communicating. So for us to get it done down the stretch, it's going to be our defense overall. Obviously, you got to make shots. And, you know, our group did a really good job executing what we wanted to. We went small there at the end. Guys really executed the game plan there in the last four minutes. Of course, the defense was the calling card last night for the Hornets, but the thing that really stood out to me specifically defensively, Sam, was the way that the Hornets were able to neutralize Trey Young. Trey Young last night finishes with nine points. Here is his stat line. He finishes with 38 minutes on the floor. He goes 3 of 12 shooting, 0 for 6 beyond the arc, hit all three of his free throws, three rebounds, 15 assists, however, he did have six turnovers and was a plus one in the plus minus. This was the first time all season that Trey Young was limited to single-digit scoring. This is crazy, too, because he dropped 47 two games ago, and he had 46 in the last game as well. This is the first time Trey Young has scored in single digits since January 5th of 2021 in Utah. And keep in mind, too, that was towards the beginning of the season last year because the season did not start until right around Christmas. So, in that span, that was 115 regular season games, 130 if you include the playoffs where he did have a bum ankle in that final playoff series against Milwaukee as well. So just some crazy stuff there that the Hornets were able to limit Trey Young, and that's what P.J. Washington talked about after the game. He can score the ball at all three levels. He passed with the best of them. Um, he's quick. He's uh, deceptive. Um, he's a great player. For us, we just had to come out and pressure him and try to make somebody else beat us and uh, get the ball to his hands. To his credit, I mean, he had 15 assists, so... I mean, he did a good job, but we just knew uh, if he's scoring um, like he's been scoring, it'd be tough for us to win, so we just didn't want him to beat us. Sam, that almost did happen, though. There was some really good three-point shooting, like I said, in the first half where the Hawks were 10 of 18 from beyond the arc. In the second half, though, completely flipped the script. Three of 19 from three-point land in that second frame, so the shooting just kind of went cold for Atlanta. I'm not saying that the Hornets really you know, lit the world on fire from beyond the arc either, but all in all, they were able to limit the three-point ball, and they were able to limit Trey Young, and it resulted in a win. Yeah, and to, to Young's credit, I thought he did a really good job impacting the game in the first half without scoring. I think he had 10 assists at halftime. He did a good job of kind of finding guys, making passes, making the right reads. Found a couple guys there in that left corner early on. I think they started 4-4. Hunter had a couple makes from there. Uh, but the Hornets did really, really well. I mean, that is he's a really, really hard player to limit to nine points. And I think he had that injury in the third quarter. I think he might have knocked knees or knocked legs with Kelly Oubre and came out. And it looked like he was still a little hampered there in the fourth quarter. And I think the, that's when the defense and, and some of the frustration, I think, on his part really, really started to pick up. So after kind of seeing some of the performances that some opposing stars have had the last two games here at Spectrum Center with Kyrie Irving and then Jason Tatum to, to zero in on a guy like Trey Young and to have him have the night that he had kind of the game plan is have somebody else beat us get the ball out of his hands uh, obviously the ball got out of his hands and other guys made shots because he had season high tying 15 assists that's what you wanted I mean the game plan was executed as well against a star of that caliber as any player the Hornets have faced this season that was tremendous tremendous defense and you could really kind of see the frustration building with him in that fourth quarter and that's what you want you want you that's you got to lock down those those you know, head of the snake guys on other teams, and that's exactly what the Hornets did. And for me, it kind of felt like they could have maybe been even a little bit more aggressive. There were a couple other chances where they could have doubled, maybe, you know, tried to take him a little bit further away from the three-point arc, but all in all, Hornets did a great job defensively, able to clamp down on Trey Young as he finishes with just nine points, like I mentioned. DeAndre Hunter led the Hawks with 21 points. Your game leader, though, was LaMelo Ball with 22 on the other side. All in all, six players finished in double figures for the Hornets. There's plenty to talk about for top performers. It's going to be hard to pick just one, but we'll try to do our best. That comes your way next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. 
not anti-aging. I'm pro-looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need to take on the day. From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Rob Longo and Sam Purley with you here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast presented by Senta. Time now for our top performers here. Sam, as the guest of honor, I will always elect to allow you to go first. This is a tough one, I think. There's plenty of options, but who do you have penciled in as your gold star top performer player? We're always very kind to let me go first, and it's always a great problem to have when you have five or six guys that it could be. But uh, I got to lean with PJ Washington here. Not the leading scorer on the team. Obviously, that was uh, LaMelo Ball and Montrezl Harrell both had 20 point games, but the shot making PJ had was as vital to this win as anything, any other component of the game we talked about. He had, I think, the the driving layup, the three-pointer, and then Terry hit the off-balance three with about four minutes to go. It was an 8-1 Hornets run. Hawks call timeout. Young has a really bad turnover. Hornets take it the other way. It's an and-one, another three in reverse layup, all by P.J. So he scored 13 of, I think, 19 points in the 19-9 run to end things. You just need guys to step up and make shots. He made shots, and I think he he really did a good job of kind of drawing Capella out of the paint as well. I think that was a really big matchup problem, playing that small ball five, really kind of opened things up. And he had got a lot of good looks because they just couldn't get a handle on him that Hawks defense so uh, I gotta go with PJ he, he really kind of you know brought this one home tonight there was that one instance too I want to say it was probably what midway through the fourth quarter where he missed a dunk I mm-hmm. can't remember it quite off the top of my head but it seemed like that kind of sparked him a little bit I don't think I've ever seen somebody miss a dunk and then just go off on a tangent like that have you ever seen that before I haven't seen it and sometimes that's what it takes and actually was I think it was on the possession right before the Hornets went into the bonus Hunter they had a one-point lead Hunter split the free throws and it was 97-97 and then that's when the 8-1 run kicked off so hey if you want to miss a dunk but you can promise that it's going to lead to that kind of uh, surge and scoring maybe uh, I'll take it it's it's a good problem to have PJ doing such a great job down the stretch like I said I don't think I've ever seen anybody get spurred by a missed dunk but hey whatever works I suppose for me my top performer I have to go with the leading scorer tonight that's LaMelo Ball Young, pass intercepted, Terry Rozier the takeaway. Hornets with numbers, Rozier bounces off to LaMelo. LaMelo leans in, off the contact, yes, counted and a foul. Melo goes for 22 last night, 7-16 from the field, 5-10 from beyond the arc. He did hit a three late that was kind of inconsequential to the outcome, but he was able to pad the stats a little bit. Did finish with eight rebounds, 11 assists, so he was on triple-double watch once again. The two things that stand out to me, though, Sam, he was a plus 24 in the plus-minus, so he was just head and shoulders above everybody else while he was out there on the floor, which keep in mind too, he got in a little bit of foul trouble. He picked up his fourth foul with 49 seconds to go in a third quarter. If you want to date it back a little bit more, he picked up his second foul just seven minutes into the game at the 516 mark of the first quarter. He had to come out and sit a little bit and then, you know, played some pretty clean basketball the rest of the way. So kudos to Melo for playing strong defense, not fouling out, staying into the game. The other thing that it stands out to me too was I talked to Sam Farber about this at halftime. I said that even though LaMelo at that point of the contest, he had 11 points, four rebounds, six assists. He had three turnovers. So you look at the turnovers and you say, well, that's not great. He finishes the game, though, with three turnovers. He played almost perfect basketball there in that second half. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, just the fourth quarter box right now. Five points, hit one three in the fourth quarter. He made both of his free throws, which I think actually pushed the Hornets ahead early in the fourth quarter after they played from most behind for most of the game. Five assists with zero turnovers in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's plus 13. I mean, that's that's winning basketball. That's finding the right plays. That's contributing to, I don't know, how, with the assists to the baskets, but it's contributing to at least somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 points, at least half the team scoring. You had some sort of impact. Making the right plays, making the right reads, just a really, really, I know PJ obviously got kind of a lot of the headlines with the shot making and, and kind of, you know, obviously making the baskets, but I thought LaMelo was really, really good in that fourth quarter, kind of quietly playing really mature, brilliant basketball down the stretch there. Five assists and with no turnovers, just making the right plays is exactly what you want to see. Well, and that's what you kind of need sometimes, right? Is that kind of quiet performance on one end of the floor? Because we've seen that time and time again with a guy like Gordon Hayward, where, you know, he's able to come out and he's able to just kind of keep the ship afloat. He's going to get you a bucket here or a bucket there when you really need it. And I thought that's what we saw from LaMelo last night, which shows signs of maturity in such a young player. I'm not saying that Melo is an immature player by any means, don't get me wrong, but that's kind of rare to see that kind of performance from a guy that's 20 years old. Yeah, and obviously a, a really nice number for the Hornets in that fourth quarter quarter speaking of turnovers was they had zero fourth quarter turnovers and that circles back to a term that I've probably used a lot so far on this podcast is winning basketball getting possessions getting good shots off getting good looks to talk about turnovers even more the Hawks had 13 and Charlotte scored 25 points off them while the Hornets like we said only finished with nine Atlanta had four points off that it's 21 point difference in points off turnover so protect the basketball it's been a really good area I think like you said they've been single digits the last two games and uh, if you have single digit turnovers you're gonna set yourself up really nicely to win basketball games Hornets playing some winning basketball as of late now three wins in a row winning at 116 to 106 here at the hive last night of course the Hornets will have two days off and then we'll take on the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday we'll have a preview podcast of that one tomorrow for you here on the HHC we still got one more segment left today Hornets playing that winning basketball like I talked about we're gonna do a little bit a scoreboard watching next what's ahead for the hornets what can the hornets expect moving forward here in the final home stretch uh just only 12 games remaining hard to believe that the season is coming down to the wire here over the next couple of weeks we'll talk about that next here on the hornets Hivecast, brought to you by senta hornets fans it's time to get some new gear the best selection of new and classic hornets apparel is at the hornets fan shop now with new extended hours Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Rob Longo and the lead writer of Hornets.com, Sam Perley, with you here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We're putting a bow on this one. And, Sam, it's time to do a little bit of scoreboard watching. We talked about it. Only 12 games remaining for the Hornets. you got to take a look at what the remaining schedule looks like for Charlotte. So when you take a look at everything remaining in terms of how many games are left for other opponents, strength of schedule, all that sort of stuff, Charlotte ranks in the top third right now. The combined winning percentage of the 12 teams that the Hornets have to play the 12 remaining games is a combined winning percentage of 513. Some of the tougher opponents, they have to play Miami. Heat, of course, in first place in the Eastern Conference. you got to play Dallas coming up here on Saturday, although that it might be a schedule advantage for Charlotte, considering that the Hornets will have two days off of rest, and the Mavs will be on the second night of a back-to-back after playing a very difficult game in Philadelphia the night before. Then they still have to play 
Speaking of which, the Sixers one more time. Utah comes to town one more time. You have to play at Chicago, and then you have to play Denver one more time as well. So the schedule, you take a look at the opponents. It's a little bit more difficult for the Hornets, but all in all, the majority of those games either have a rest advantage built into them or they have a home advantage built into them as well. When you take a look at some other teams that the Hornets are chasing or around. Let's begin, for example, with Atlanta. Now, the Hawks have a little bit of an easier schedule. Their combined winning percentage is 465, but they still have to play one more extra game. They have 13 games remaining on their schedule, and they got some doozies on there. They still have to play Memphis, Golden State, Miami, Cleveland, Toronto, and Brooklyn. Now, some of the easier teams are like Houston, Detroit, Oklahoma City, Indiana, New Orleans, and the Knicks. So a little bit of a mixed bag in there. When you take a look elsewhere, you take a look maybe at a Brooklyn, what the Nets have left on the schedule. They got a combined winning percentage of 482. They got to play Memphis, Miami, Milwaukee, Utah, Cleveland, and now the Hornets are sneaking in there as a team that's above 500 that they have to play one more time. Again, they got to play the Hawks, they got to play the Pacers, so it kind of evens out a little bit when it's all said and done in that aspect. And then just for fun, let's throw the Toronto Raptors in there, even though the Raptors are you know well above 500. You never know what could happen moving down the stretch, but Toronto's strength of schedule is kind of in the middle. A combined winning percentage of 493, but the Raptors have to play 14 games left, so their schedule's a little bit more condensed. They still have to play the Sixers twice, Miami once, Chicago once, Boston once, Minnesota once, who has been a very surprised team. That might be one of the few things that I get from our New Year's resolution podcast, our prediction podcast from all the way back on January 1st, and then they still have to play Cleveland one more time. So with all of that said, Sam, I know I threw a lot of information at you. How does this schedule set up for the Hornets compared to everything else? Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to tell right now with the schedule because you just don't know what's going to transpire over these fast last three weeks. I think you have situations with injuries can happen for other teams, and that's obviously going to make situations a little bit different. You don't know with teams that are higher in the standings if they're going to be resting guys down the stretch. You don't know. Hopefully, the Hornets could be getting Gordon Hayward back and, and you know had a little bit of an update from him yesterday. Sounds like things are progressing nicely. So ultimately, if you're playing good basketball and you're winning games, you're supposed to win, and you're winning enough games against you know some really ton of top level talent like the Dallas game coming up in this homestand in Utah. I think those are going to be really tough games, but the way the Hornets played against Atlanta, they do that again. I certainly think they'll put themselves in good position, but it's tricky with the schedule. I mean, you're just going to have to control what you can control, and if you're playing your best basketball wherever the chips lie at the end of the season and you're in that playing tournament, whether it's 10 seed, 9 seed, you know, 7, 8 seed, and you're playing well, you just got to win two games and if that's it you just got to win two games or one game so it's certainly challenging you know kind of where they are right now because things kind of fluctuate so much but just keep playing like you did against Atlanta and, and take advantage of this homestand take advantage of the home schedule you have for the rest of the year and just see where things lie in uh in three weeks or so so let's go ahead and zero in on the Hornets again 12 games remaining longest homestand of the season here we're you know just wrapped up the first game of it there's still four more to go here some quirks in the schedule here that are a little peculiar we'll leave it at that on March 27th the Hornets have to go to Brooklyn and play the Nets on the first night of a back-to-back fly home to Charlotte on the 28th of March and play the Denver Nuggets then get back on the plane March 30th and go play New York on the road again just a really weird sequence there and then the other quirk too is that the Hornets have another back-to-back right before the end of the season on April 7th and then April 8th. It's a home game against Orlando, which we know what the Hornets did against the Magic the last time that they played here at Spectrum Center. And then you got to go play a Chicago team that you've had a lot of trouble with and might be playing for seeding in that top six, depending on how the rest of their schedule shakes out as well. Those are the big quirks for me that I see going down to the last 12 games of the season for the Hornets. Overall, just spitballing here, Sam, 
What do the Hornets need to do in these last 12 games? What does the record have to look like to maybe sneak into that 7-8 matchup and give yourself a crack, or at least two cracks at it, going into the play-in tournament and trying to get a playoff berth? Yeah, well, you look at the schedule right now and whether it's those finals, and I would actually kind of throw in, I know we talked about Toronto, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta is right now stuck in that, or not stuck, but sitting in that 7-10 to 10 spot. Cleveland's starting to slip a little bit. I think yeah. their injuries are really starting to kind of add up. I think they've... And they're young. Yeah, they're young, and they've had a... They've had a Again, I don't think anybody inspected this. The future is very, very bright in Cleveland, but I think the injuries to Jared Allen's out indefinitely. They lost Colin Sexton in the beginning of the year. Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert's been out. Rajon Rondo's been out. I mean, there's only so much you can take, particularly in game, you know, 70-71 where we are right now. So they're only a half game ahead of Toronto uh, as of last night. So I could very easily see Toronto sliding up and, you know, does Cleveland fall a little bit more? Um, I think, like you said, I think there's kind of a – there seems to be a little bit of a widening gap there between that 6-7. I think right now it's – well, assuming Toronto – Toronto, I'd say maybe a little bit of a widening gap, I guess, between the 7-8 is where the widest gap is. About three games right now, and uh, between the 10 seed, which is Atlanta and Washington, seems to be an even widening more gap. I think you can kind of, getting close to maybe Washington, New York, and Indiana are kind of kind of on the downswing. Yeah, hey, maybe they get hot these last few weeks and find some, some lightning in a bottle, but I think it's kind of, you have a little bit of an idea of who's going to be in the picture. You just don't know what order. I think, obviously... Getting up to six, I think, would be a challenge. I think you'd have to not only maybe go play, win three out of every four the next way, but you'd also have to jump another a number of teams as well. So You'd need some help. Yeah, you need a lot of help. So not impossible, but I think it would be challenging. I think, like you said, getting in that 7-8 I think would be really, really ideal because at least you get two cracks at it and you go on the road to play one game if you're playing Brooklyn and this Kyrie Irving situation still hasn't been figured out and – who knows? You won up there earlier this year. Things can happen. And then if you don't win, you come back home and you play a home game. So I'm excited to see how it plays out because ultimately you're playing games right now that mean something. You're playing meaningful basketball at this point of the season. That's what every team wants to do. You want to play games that matter over the final month of the season. So it'll be really interesting. I think, again, you just have to kind of just keep winning, keep playing playing well, and, and this stuff will take care of itself. But I think ideally getting up into that 7-8 would be kind of – uh, a reasonable target. Give yourself two cracks to win one game, and then and then you're in. And give credit, too. I mean, keep in mind the Hornets would still be playing some pretty meaningful basketball right now, but give credit to the NBA because without this play-in tournament, there would be fewer teams playing some meaningful basketball. So it makes for a really exciting time of the year as well. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing you mentioned, too, is, this, is Brooklyn. I mean, you know, it's been such a weird season for them, and they're so talented, and there's nights where they look like they're the title contenders everyone thought they were at the start last of the week year. Here yeah, last Spectrum week at Spectrum Center. We saw it up close and personal, and then, you know, just finding, they just, I keep waiting, I just feel like they have all this It talent. feels like they're, they're going to turn a switch, doesn't they're it? They're going to flip the switch, and it just hasn't happened yet. And, you can't and, flip the switch, though, if you're not in the playoffs though yeah if you lose in a play tournament you can't flip the switch exactly and it's just it's you just don't know how these things are going to play out i know toronto's played their guys such heavy minutes throughout the year and you know is that going to add up over these last 30 weeks i mean i know they they, some of their guys play 40 minutes a night it feels like so and then with this cleveland injury thing is i mean is the bottom going to kind of fall out a little bit so there's so much that could happen in the next couple weeks and ultimately you're just going to have to control what you can control if you're the hornets keep playing good basketball keep winning games i think this is like the 10th time i've said that phrase but it really is i mean you just got to focus on you and like I said, take care of business, win the games you're supposed to win, and then you got to go steal some games against some top-level teams like a Denver, like a Utah, like a Dallas. Go winning in Brooklyn in a couple weeks. Go beat Philly again, beat Miami. So it's not going to be easy. It's certainly going to be a challenging stretch, but it's there for the taking. It's certainly there for the taking, and if, if you want to do this, it's you know it's not just going to happen. you got to go do it, but they're certainly capable of doing it. It's right there. So 
again, it's exciting, and uh, I personally cannot wait. Hornets looking to really take advantage of what is now four more games left on his homestand. Of course, you can join us here at Spectrum Center on Saturday when the Hornets take on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Get your tickets at Hornets.com. Pack the hive, because like Terry Rozier said uh, just a couple days ago, they're going to need every single Hornets fan in here to give them a little bit more boost as we get down the home stretch here with 12 games remaining in the NBA season. Sam Hurley, the lead writer of Hornets.com, thank you once again for joining me here in person on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for checking us out as well. Of course, tomorrow is an off day for the Hornets. Never an off day on the HHC. Sam Farber will have a one-on-one interview with Hornets center Mason Plumley. That'll be on tomorrow's edition of the HHC. And then Sam and I, of course, will be back, Sam's voice permitting, to preview the game Saturday against the Dallas Mavericks. Once again, for Sam Perley, I'm Rob Longo saying so long. Thank you so much for listening to us today here on the HHC. And we'll see you tomorrow once again on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.